0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the penultimate episode of Strange New World's first season called All Those Who Wander. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to share the podcast with your friends to help us grow this great community that we've gathered here and to reach more listeners. That's what we're about is reaching more people. Uh, I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy called Prestation Portable. That's Pre-Station Portable. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash psp. And finally, Uh, for the preliminaries, stick around to the very end of the show. We've got some great audio feedback, uh, great feedback, not audio feedback. Audio is me reading it. Great feedback from some of our listeners. So this episode is called All Those Who Wander. And Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happened? This week, Star Trek does
1: the movie Alien. While the ship is on a desperate, unseen mission to deliver batteries that are about to hit their expiration date to a space station, Captain Pike takes a landing party to an ice planet where a ship has crashed. Their mission is to help survivors and bring the ship back. But there are no survivors among the crew because the ship had taken on board a person infected with corn eggs and the Gorn hatched and killed everybody. The only survivors were a little girl girl and a non-Federation alien, but it turns out the non-Federation alien is also infected with corn eggs, and we get an actual chestburster scene with multiple Gorn chestbursters. So now the little girl is the only survivor of the ship. After that, we're into the movie Alien, and the gang needs to get rid of the Gorn before they can mature. The Gorn avoid cold, so they use the ship's environmental systems to herd the two surviving Gorn into the same space, at which point they fight for dominance and one dies. Hemmer then freezes the Gorn Alpha into a statue, and La'an satisfyingly smashes the statue. But all is not well, because one of the Gorns sprayed Hemmer with venom, and he's infected too. Gorn apparently mature in Einar really quickly, and Hammer sacrifices himself by going outside onto the surface of the ice planet. In other news, Uhura is at the end of her tour of duty on the Enterprise, and Hammer advises her to stay. Spock lets out his emotions to fight the Gorn and finds he can't easily rein them back in. Nurse Chapel gives Spock a hug to comfort him, and La'an takes a leave of absence to help find the little uninfected girl's family.
0: The End. That that was my very first note too. Is it's aliens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except uh, the only even, thing missing is even is, got a little girl. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the only thing he's yep. missing is the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the personal log at the start of this one was from Yuhura, which I was surprised by because I was I was expecting Hammer because we saw Hammer mentioned in the uh, in the uh, recap of previous episodes, and I'm thinking, well, uh, certainly. We've got two episodes left. This must be the Hammer episode, right? <laughs> and it is. It's <laughs> just, <he's, laughs>
1: it, they just chose not to do get to know the exiting
0: member of the crew episode. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about that up front because that's sort of the yeah. big news in this one. Uh, how do you feel about Hammer departing already? Like getting, like losing this character off the bat and making a big sacrifice of a, one of the, the big cast members. What do you think?
2: All I, all I can say is there's no body. <laughs> you know, of course, we always joke. Nobody doesn't mean they means they're not dead. Um, I, I don't know. I and, and I don't know if they would actually pull that. If they, if this is like the actual like permanent death of Hammer, I'm actually really surprised because he wasn't a big character to begin with. He only you know he only showed up in about half the episodes, mm-hmm. if even that many. And even in those, he wasn't a major character except maybe one or two of them. So. Uh, I'm kind of surprised and I don't know if I don't know why they would do that unless they've they're planning on bringing in Scotty next season or something. Right. I I am of mixed emotions about it. On the one
1: hand, I thought Hammer was a very interesting character and I was looking to see his character explored more. Um, So I am disappointed to lose such a promising character. On the other hand, I appreciate the writing chutzpah of 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 killing off somebody like this. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't expected. And, you know, the chief engineer is traditionally a prime role on the show. And it's not the kind of person you expect to get killed, you know, in the first season or ever. And so I was uh, I appreciated I appreciated their desire to upturn expectations, and uh, and kill what appears to be a major character really early. I think that's uh, that's that's a good writing move. But on the other hand, he was a really promising, good major <laughs> character, and I would have loved to see more of him. So I think they have us right where they want us
0: i really i really hope they don't pull a discovery which is which what they did with the d- doctor what's his face on discovery yeah uh like he's dead oh no and then in a season later we're like oh he's not really dead he's back yay he was only mostly dead and it's yeah. like uh, i mean i yeah uh,
1: we don't we don't need that
0: yeah i i like hammer and i and i'm surprised because he's also kind of a representation character you know as a mm. as as a blind uh, person playing a blind character I'm a little surprised that they took that step, that they, that they would do that. But uh, it, you know, that I feel like the, the producers of Stranger Worlds are not like we saw with Serene Squall, not being bound to expectations for how to treat certain kinds of representation characters. I would say? Uh, so uh, I'm glad that they're 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 feeling free to do that, and I'm glad they take a risk. But yeah, I I kind of liked Hammer. I was starting started to grow on me, and I wanted to know more about the Anar and their culture. Yeah. So it's, it is a bit surprising, um, especially given the fact that the eggs would grow so quickly in the anar, given that they're a cold-blooded species, right? Or no. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, they're from a cold planet. A cold planet. So, you know, so the, they're a warm-blooded species. So maybe that's yeah. the difference. Oh, Yeah. Well,
1: there's no. I mean, it's it's all just plot convenience, anyway. How fast it matures in you, so you know, I don't know that we need to worry too much about that. But yeah, I mentally noted as
2: well. They must mature really fast in (laughs) Anar. Yeah. Well, in in the Gorn themselves, you know, they 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 hatched, and five minutes later, they're already going to their you know adolescent phase, molt to their adolescent phase. So
1: I I wondered about that. I'm I wasn't sure that those weren't previously hatched um Gorn from the first yeah. batch
2: unclear well, they, yeah yeah there is unclear because they, they were counting down the number that were remaining from the four that had hatched that one of them was killed right away that four had hatched one of them was killed right away so there are three and then they were counting down to the one the alpha yeah
1: yeah so, I, I could see how you could read it that way but like when there's a moment after the um after they're hatched, after the first one has died, where there's another one that gets stepped on. And what steps on it is much bigger. Yeah. And, yeah. and I so, that. Yeah. so I interpreted those as as Gorn from the previous batch, but I also wasn't clear on, well, then what happened to the other two small ones? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It, like something killed the, the two red shirts in this episode, the Apart From Hammer. Uh, we'll talk about them in a bit. So it must have been these these bigger ones. But yeah, I, I, I'd love to know more about the Gorn life cycle and how how, <laughs> how this is all working here. Uh, it's interesting. So Yuhura at the beginning makes her uh, this log and she mentions her time in the uh, Enterprise's ending as a cadet and that she's not sure whether she's going to continue on. By the end of the episode, it's cl- it seems clear she's going to be continuing. Although, mm-hmm. is she going back to the Academy or staying on the enterprise but if she stays on the enterprise she basically serves her entire career in starfleet on the enterprise if you think about it it's kind of interesting
1: yeah it also they're doing something that is a it's a it's a staple in serialized tv where at the end of a season they're not entirely sure who's going to come back
0: Mm. and
1: so they write characters into positions where they can gracefully exit from the show if needed so they've gotten rid of himmer that was planned but they've also put uhura in a position where she doesn't have to come back and they've put la'an in a position where she doesn't have to come back because she's taken a leave of absence mm. so um so with those two actors they have the option of not bringing them back next season if they choose to, and mm-hmm. so I think it's I think it's um, a I think it's a writing decision why they put right. them in those positions. What I did, I did not like w- the reticence that Uhura had in staying, um, mm-hmm. because it, they had done character development in the other direction they had started with uhura being uncertain whether she was going to remain in starfleet and then she seemed to grow in acceptance of the idea of staying in starfleet and then at the beginning of this episode all of a sudden all that character development is undone Mm. and i thought that was not good writing
2: i thought they should have handled her character arc differently if that's what they wanted to do well and and at the end of the episode you know the only reason i i wrote down she'll remain you know yeah, that she's going to remain, but because they had that scene where she's standing on the bridge and just, you know, kind of gives that significant look at the comms console.
0: Right. I think by the end, she she's going to stay. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I suspect she will, but I think it's a deliberate possible exit point for her. Mm -hmm. I was, I mean, my interpretation of her looking at the communications console at the end was, oh, she's decided to stay. But I think it's actually studiedly ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Um, They they have uh, in the uh, write up at Memory Alpha, they the person who, who wrote the summary said she looks one last time. At the communications console and I said, Yeah, that's a plausible reading of what's going on here. She could just be wistfully looking around the bridge for a last time before she goes back to the academy or whatever. Right.
0: But, but yeah. I mean we know Uhura stays in Starfleet. I mean that's a that's a Canon given, right?
1: We do, but we don't yeah. know that we'll see her in
2: future seasons of Strange New Worlds,
0: right? Right. It's very... she was she was supposed to
2: go and, and visit family, you know. Yeah. Her, her time on the Enterprise as a cadet was done, and she was supposed to go visit family. So that doesn't mean that she's you know that she might not be here for the next for the final episode, but that also doesn't mean she won't come back as an ensign next season. So
0: yeah, it's it's curious to me that they did all this. It feels like a season finale. And yet there's Mm -hmm. one episode left. So I'm kind of curious. I haven't seen any previews for the next episode, but it's kind of curious.
1: Interesting twist next episode.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll be curious to see see that. Maybe I'll go look for it after we're done. (laughs) I've
2: actually purposely not been watching like pre the, the previews for the next episode. I just, I want to just be surprised, I guess. Sure, sure. I had I had
1: wondered if they were going to do a two part finale, because even though they've been having standalone episodes, they could do a two parter, although it actually they may give us a two parter, but we may have only part one as the season Mm. finale. Mm. They did that a lot with other tracks. And so they may be doing that here. Um, I won't give away, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it, including my two co-hosts, but, (laughs) um, but I did see a preview for next week and there is an interesting twist involving Captain Pike.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so getting into the story itself, they, they, it starts with this, um, the going away party, which looks like a brunch. Uh, I, I really like, I don't know, Pike's style is so kind of. Friendly and relaxed with in mm-hmm. so many ways uh and he's having everyone over for for brunch and he's making stuff and uh, I'm making waffles and like apparently Pike <laughs> is a great cook like it's, yeah. and I kind of like this whole thing with laon showing up for this briefing for this priority one message she missed the brunch, but she's coming to get the uh the you know, the food and she's eating off she goes and she's like well this is this is really good <laughs> it was fun.
2: She was almost reluctant, reluctant to even take the food in the first place. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I don't need it. And
0: he's like, and he just puts it in front of
2: her. She's eating. It's
0: like, this is really good. <laughs> uh, oh, I also I want to mention it's kind of a funny quirk that happens uh, during the the brunch. Uh, at one point, Una wants Pike to give his, the speech that he needs to give the going away speech. Uh, and so she motions to him by tapping her wrist, which is a whole wristwatch watch. thing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, so apparently several hundred years in the future, they're still re- referencing wristwatches, although I'm going to guess wristwatches have gone out long before this, but or maybe not. But it's kind of funny that it remains as a uh, as a gesture for, hey, look at the time. I thought that was funny. They, they may have implants
1: like in uh, in Larry Niven's known space series where you've got a wristwatch that's inside
2: your wrist and you mm. just look down and it lights up.
0: Oh, subdermal.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's the that's their retro retro scene is things like wristwatches and (laughs) stuff like that. Speaking of retro stuff. So they've they've got to
1: isolate the in order it it, you know, it's it's obvious writing moves, but they've got to isolate the people who are going to on this mission. So they've got to give the Enterprise something else to do. And they have this conflict between we've got two priority one a missions. What do we do? And it's like, wouldn't your orders have covered that? Yeah. I mean, does Starfleet not have it on the monitor board, what you're already assigned to do, and someone else just gives you another Priority 1A mission without clarifying which takes priority? That doesn't seem to make sense. But they decide to do both. And the other Priority 1A mission is, we've got to get these batteries to Space Station K-7 before they expire. And it it it's it, really, that's the priority 1A mission. Yeah. You got to get the batteries there before they expire in a week. How often are they bringing urgent w- batteries to K7 if they expire in a week? Right. You know, is there an emergency battery shipment every single week? <laughs> Why don't you get better batteries than that?
0: Right. Or if the I batteries thought, last a lot longer, maybe you should get them there before... <laughs> I mean, I, well, think, and I, I thought it was yeah. the
2: batteries at K7 were expiring, not the batteries on the Enterprise. They well, just phrased it wrong.
0: No, because I mean, they said freeze that's the whole weird. reason why the Enterprise itself can't divert is because if they divert and take longer to get there, the batteries, uh, I, 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 as I recall yeah. it, the batteries themselves, the power cells. Are will discharge hmm. or something, and they need to be. Well, I, I or, thought it was. I thought it was phrased that the batteries
2: on K seven would discharge, and the this station would be out of luck.
1: Th- they will, but also we have to get there. We can't wait for another ship to intercept us to pick up the batteries because they'll 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 burn out in a week. And it, I can headcanon this as they need to go into use and that'll preserve their life, okay. but that's so, not I, the I, way I read, they phrased it.
2: Yeah, I, I, read it, I read it completely different. I read it that the, the, the batteries they're worried about expiring were not the ones on the Enterprise. They were the ones on the space station, and if they didn't get the batteries on the Enterprise to the space station in time, then the batteries on the space station would go out, and the space station would be out of power
0: of course why are you powering your space stations on batteries <laughs> put an antimatter <laughs> generator on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh, yeah that, that was that was a uh, poor writing you had they could have come up they should have come up with something a better excuse for why the enterprise had to go
2: it's always a vaccine or medicine or right. food or something
0: right exactly
2: I also had a question about the, so they, this other
1: ship, they say it's not a Constitution class. It yes. looks exactly like a Constitution class. And that's also a writing decision. So mm-hmm.
0: they that just have to
1: re- redress their existing sets yeah and they can use them. Um, but it looks exactly like a Constitution class, even though they say it's not. And they tell us it's got 99 people on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, is two shuttles worth of people. I mean, they brought like less than a dozen people to help and they brought two shuttles. If you have, suppose, 98 of the 99 people have survived. Are you going to get them out in two shuttles? Right. You know what? I don't think they're I don't think they've geared up enough for this mission.
0: Well, I think the idea is is they're the advance party. They'll bring emergency supplies in order to sustain them on the surface or get the ship up off the surface, right. if it can be until the enterprise gets here to finish up because hmm. the, from their point of view the the you know they don't know the Gorner there, so they they don't know that there's a time limit on it, that sort of thing, so that's my guess now there the, was there's a reason why it's not a constitution class ship that like it looks like one is because in Canon it established that there were only twelve constitution class they're all named Peregrine wasn't one of them, and I guess they didn't right. want to crash one of the ones that we already knew about on this planet. So it, it well this of was you. a
2: 1500 number instead of a 1700 number, which all right. the constitution classes were 1700 numbers.
0: Yes. Um and uh it's it's fast. It's faster. So it must be, you know, have less internal stuff on it and that sort of thing. I guess the thing um uh, I don't know that I would want to serve on this ship after it's returned to Starfleet and fixed up again. It, it seems it like, a, like it's got a bent axle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's also like cursed, the cursed ship. <laughs> it's going exactly. to have ghosts on board. Uh, USS Peregrine. It was cool sitting it, seeing
1: it sitting there on the surface of the ice planet. It reminded me very much of a book cover um, yeah. from back in from decades ago. There was a Star Trek book that had the Enterprise sitting on a planetary surface like mm. that.
0: Yeah, that was very cool. The, the the special effects in the the CGI, the imagery has been really great. Well, and, they, you know, of course, they did that
2: with, with Discover or with a Voyager, where they landed it a couple of times, too, yeah. where it actually was. But that was Amazing. controlled-ish landing. And it was desire, designed to do that so it could stick yeah. out landing legs,
0: whereas the Constitution class doesn't have landing legs. New. Correct. Uh, so a couple of the notes just I had from the uh, the briefing is uh, we find out that Laan is in therapy dealing with her Gorn- issues trauma uh, Mm -hmm. trauma yep the ptsd and that sort of thing um the 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 briefing takes place like I said, in Pike's quarters while he's cleaning up from the party. And I'm thinking, why would the captain have to hand wash dishes? Like, do you not have dishwashers or, I don't know, a replicator <laughs> that can dematerialize it, take away the, the the food remains and rematerialize or something? But um, he, he, I like the one that he enlists Spock to take over the, the dishwashing, though. That was, Spock seemed a little that was, nonplussed. That was <laughs> fun.
1: Yeah. Um, I like that they have established that Captain Pike is a big cook, without going all Captain Cisco about it, mm, because right. he was also a great cook, but he was much more in your face about right. it. And, and his, you know, he's the son of a restaurateur and, and things like that. And I like that, that Pike is just an enthusiast and people know and expect him to be a great cook, but he's, he's not, he's, 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 he's more casual about it.
0: Yeah. Right. Like in Syrian squall, he was like, you know, making the stew for the pirates. And then uh, a few episodes before that he was making ribs or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it's it's there, but it doesn't have to be uh, in your face. So, um, Pike is, is going to go on this away mission and he's taking the cadets with them as a last hurrah. And, uh, Lieutenant, was it Duke? I I didn't look it up. Was yeah, it was
1: yes. Duke. So there there are two red shirts who we've never seen before in this mm-hmm. episode. One of them is Lieutenant Duke, who's just become lieutenant, and the other is Cadet Chia, mm-hmm. who's yeah. apparently been in rotation with Uhura the whole time. We've just never seen her before.
0: Yeah. As soon as I saw right. them, I said, Oh you're going to die <laughs> <laughs> red shirts
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, of course they, they're, they're subverting the tropes because one was in yellow and one was in blue so
0: yeah yeah uh we've got two shuttles uh and we've got kirk is there lieutenant kirk hammer uh duke nurse chapel la mabenga the and the to the cadets and spock um and uh, early on, there, after they've landed, Spock calls L- now Lieutenant Duke Ensign and Chapel's like, oh, now you have to buy him a drink. Or it was it Kirk? Uh, and Chapel backs him up. And uh, Spock's response is, is there no end to these human drinking games? <laughs> like he's very, yeah. Very annoyed by this. Uh, so and, I thought that and was Kirk fun. Kirk says, no, no,
2: nope, there's no <laughs> end to them.
0: Nope. If you've ever been in the service or known people in the service, you know that there is no end to the the games in which you may end up having to buy someone a drink.
1: People have even been coming up with them for Mysterious World. Like every time I say that we'll talk about that in a future episode, you're supposed to take a drink or stuff like (laughs) that. There we go.
0: (laughs) Yes. Don't, don't, yeah, be somewhere safe when you're playing (laughs) playing Mm -hmm. the Mysterious World drinking game. We should probably come up with like a version of like, Start the uh, enterprise bingo. We should come up with a mysterious world bingo uh, game. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, so this is about when they start on this ice planet, start discovering piles of of dead bodies, including some dismembered ones. They actually kind of have a, a like a head, like a, 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 a mm-hmm. laying apart uh, at one point. So they 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 get they get a little bit on the. Graphic side, but not too much. Mm. A little gory. Lots of blood, lots of parts laying around, things like that. Yeah.
2: But masked by snow. Yeah, yes. exactly.
0: Yep. Uh they find out from the once they get on board the ship, the from the captain's log, that they the ship had rescued some castaways, uh, who it turns out were one of them was infected with gorn eggs, and then of course we found out the other one is too. Um, and uh, they had there's this really cool blue alien. And this little mm. human girl, I, I thought this alien co- looked really good, and uh, the, the universal tra- very
1: Star Wars
0: Yes, it did, it did yeah, uh, Universal translator doesn't translate the alien salon, so turns to yourura and says, "Do something." and then Youra says, that's not how linguistics works, which is also very star Wars yeah, <laughs> very Han solo, that's not how the force works. I, I love that line hmm. and uh, And then they come across the little girl. I have to. I feel a little surprised. They don't ask the the right questions of them. Like, you, know, how were you infected by the Gorn? How did you get to where you are? Like, you, we just don't get any of the the usual questions of them that you would expect. Well,
1: Laan starts doing that. I mean, she and she starts doing it aggressively on the yeah, little girl, right. and and Doctor Mbenga tells her to back off.
0: Right. In fact, he uh, would when, when she's like verbally attacking her. Uh, Mabenga uh, misspeaks and says, stop harassing my daughter Mm -hmm. and corrects himself. So we are getting a little carryover from last episode. And uh, then Mabenga, which is there's this interesting scene between La'an and Mabenga where he apologizes and explains why he said daughter and, and uses that to kind of suggest that La'an and the girl have something in common And maybe they can use that commonality to connect with the girl, which is which is a nice. I I like that scene. I I think it it was really good for Mbenga.
1: They also have. um, And so what's keeping them in the ship at this point is that there's an ice storm outside, which we've heard about. We heard Spock at the beginning when they landed, say that there's going to be an ice storm in about six hours so we can infer that there's an ice storm out there. And then we're told that the ice storm is going on, and that's why they can't just leave once the Mm -hmm. Lorne are hatched. Um, And so that's another writing ploy to keep them isolated in the ship so the story can happen. Um, You could do the same thing, though, if this ship wasn't crashed. If it was up in space, there would Mm -hmm. be an obvious reason why you can't just go outside. And, And so I... It was a it was just a little obvious to me. Okay, first, we've got to get the Enterprise out of here and then we've got to lock them in the ship. And so we'll use a battery Mm -hmm. mission and an ice storm for that. Um, And it was a little bit paint by numbers. I thought they could have been more creative
2: about that. Mm. Well, they also they also had the ions in the atmosphere or something like that, keeping communications from working. So even if the Enterprise was in orbit, they couldn't call them anyways. So
0: right. All these different reasons for why we setting it up so that they're in this bad position.
1: Yeah, this is a recurring thing, thing on Star Trek these days of we've made, this, we've made everybody so powerful, we have to systematically disable the things we've created in order to let this episode happen. And that's not, that's not good writing when, you're having, when you've got all these magical solutions and you've got, to, you've got to disable
2: all of them or
1: almost all of them in order to let your story happen
2: yeah isn't, isn't that new who i mean is that like the entire story of new who well
0: <laughs> there's a similar problem you have 60 years of storytelling where you've come up with all these magical ways and technologies and all these other things to get out of every conceivable problem and then you've got to create yeah. new problems and not have those other options available to get you out of them again so well,
2: yeah and and of course the 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 Irony, I guess, of this is this is actually supposed to be more primitive than most of the, or the TV series of Star Trek. Right. Cause this is supposed to be before TOS and all the development of TNG and beyond aren't there yet.
0: Right. So except then they they made that decision with Discovery to advance the technolo- mm-hmm. the the apparent technology. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's even worse than Discovery, the last season of Discovery, because they jump a thousand years in the future. And now you've got to show that somehow they've advanced a thousand years while also holding them back. And they they end up doing this much Mm -hmm. more often in in Discovery. Uh, So we have this discussion between Chapel and Spock about Vulcan emotions and primal nature. uh, And Chapel says to him, it's good to get mad sometimes. And my note at that point was, but is it? (laughs) And apparently, it's not like Spock's trying to explain Vulcans suppress their emotions for a good reason. And when we let that out, even sometimes, as we see it by the end, it can be hard to rein it back in again. So uh, I I just thought that was an interesting, it's a typical prejudice among the humans in Star Trek that somehow Vulcans uh, suppression of emotions is a bad thing. And that's a very human way of looking at stuff. And I, I, I think it's kind of interesting to see this prejudice against Vulcans among humans consistently in Star Trek.
1: Speaking of that, we have a moment in this episode where Sam Kirk goes positively Dr. McCoy on Spock yes, and <laughs> is like yelling at him and accusing him of being just a pointed eared computer or something like that.
0: You green-blooded alien i was expecting to come out of him yeah like, like mccoy would say yeah it it was uh it was very interesting no no wonder why when spock encounters mccoy later on uh he's so blasé about mccoy's outburst because he's dealt with it already uh, <laughs> which is interesting and pike deals with uh kirk's outburst in an interesting way you know he he doesn't chastise him he says okay now that we've got that out of the way like he acknowledges your emotional, and mm-hmm. you're, you have an outburst. Let's move on and it actually get to the solution, which which I think is interesting.
1: It it's interesting. It's also direct insubordination on on uh, Kirk's part because Kirk is Spock's junior. Spock is his boss. Yeah.
0: Oh right. They She's introduced him science. as, as
1: yeah. yeah. So Spock is the head of the science department, and uh, Kirk reports to him. And wow, you're really.
2: <laughs> kind of insubordinate there aren't you yeah, yeah yeah it was it was a little bit of the you know guy from galaxy quest we're all gonna die <laughs> it, did seem it like was that. very much like that <laughs> right yeah. down
0: to the mustache <laughs> that is true
2: <laughs> um
1: i wonder what they're going to do with this character because they haven't done yeah. i mean unless unless he's our focus character next episode we've gone all season without a kirk-centric episode and i know they've cast someone is his I don't remember who but I know they've cast someone as his brother Jim Kirk for next season. Yeah. So um I assume they're going somewhere with this character but and we know he can't die. He's not another himmer. Yeah. Because he's got to be alive in the first season of uh of the original series. So yep. I wonder what they're planning on doing with him. Thus far, not much.
0: Yeah. I'm going to guess it's going to be like his they'll have an episode next season where He and his brother are together and it's his departure from Starfleet or something in order to set up the TOS episode. That's my, that's a out of the blue Mm -hmm. guess.
2: This ship isn't big enough for two Kirks type of episode.
0: (laughs) I don't think that Kirk is going to be assigned to the Enterprise. I don't think that we're going to see Kirk as a crew member, the Jim Kirk. I think we're going to, it'll be different. Maybe Mm -hmm. a couple episodes and that'll be about it. If that, I mean, it might. I I don't think I ever saw anything more than that. He's going to show up. It might be just one episode and out which would be interesting. Uh, so we have this interaction between Hammer and Yuhura where uh, she's telling him about her hesitation about continuing. And he makes an observation about her. He says, like, you love making friends. It's not that you don't like making friends, but your real fear is putting down roots and then being left behind. She fears loss stemming from mm-hmm. the loss of her parents in the accident, apparently. Uh, so I thought that was interesting that he kind of points it out to her and she she does you know i didn't know you were a counselor and you know he kind of uh laughs that off but uh
1: well he is functioning as a mentor figure and mm-hmm. that's something that i was a little interested i mean he's giving her advice and he's giving her good advice that the show is obviously on the side of you know mm-hmm. they they want us to perceive the advice he's giving her as positive that mm-hmm. uh, and insightful and i'm going wow they're letting him do this even though he's a man. But I guess maybe it's OK because he's a blind man
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he's about to die. So <laughs> yep. the uh, m- m- mansplaining. Uh, so then we have the 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 sick scene where, uh, you know, the the blue alien is about to do a chestburster and uh, they're so I, I know that Mabenga scanned him and he doesn't have eggs as, as far as I know, but they're so like blind to the obvious He he's in distress, although There's one point Chapel says, oh, he has an elevated heart rate. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I
1: assume it's from a minute ago. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I guess. I guess. Uh, Although, how do you know? That's not normal for uh, this species. You know, the if it's a completely unknown species, you can't you, you can't know. So I just thought it was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think it's based on his observed behavior. It's reasonable to conclude that he's in a form of distress because we've seen him up and pointing weapons around and shouting before this. And now he's mm-hmm. really quiet and he's he's breathing differently and his heart rate goes up and he's he's acting very subdued and mm-hmm. and not responsive, you know, so I, th- I think they could infer that something's going on with this guy now.
0: Mm. Right. So we get the little Gordon chestbusters coming out, uh, and they skitter away and uh, Chapel escapes by uh, getting into the bio bed with the force field around it to protect herself. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. They also can do the predator thing where they see with like, I don't know, special vision uh, in the, in the dark. They see
1: their prey as a luminous figure against a darker background.
0: Right. right. Sort, so, sort of like infrared, but but uh, something not, like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: but not. <laughs> um, mm. and, and this gets us to something that um, was implicit in the alien movie at the beginning, and they've since become more explicit about it, which is that the aliens are bioengineered because right. they're like they're too perfect as as predators. You wouldn't evolve this thing with the acid blood and the ability to, you know, uh borrow genetic material from and come up with an alien xenomorph form of something else. I mean, it's all it's all too convenient and that tells us it's deliberate. Right. And I'm I'm going, okay, so the Gorn are are invisible to all your sensors? Really? all of them, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's like, that's way too convenient. And they're telepathically invisible to Hemmer. It's, this is, this is too, how did invisible to all sensors develop evolutionarily? How did that happen? Um, It's, it's making it seem like the Gorn are genetically engineered in some weird way that allows mm. them to have these abilities. So or, I'm th- yep. I'm thinking that the Gorn are some kinds of they're they're some kind of bioweapon. weapon. Um, mm. Not only do they have not only do are do they have sensor and telepathy invisibility, they also spit acid, which um which is like the alien bleeding acid, yep. and it's um it's acid that infects other people with their eggs, which really doesn't make a lot of sense, but um you know whatever this venom is it's it, they're like tribbles they're breeding before they're born or before they're mature mm-hmm. and it it all of this it's like this is some kind of bioweapon people this is all too coincidental to just be natural evolution happening
0: it could right. be someone else bioengineering them but they could be engineering themselves to right. as they encounter mm-hmm. a new you know potential enemy they engineer themselves to be kind of like the Borg adapting to whatever mm-hmm, right. challenge they they get they face. You know, they even talk about how the eggs themselves are
2: impervious to the sensors. The sensors can't read them. Right. And I mean first of all that 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 does kind of have a little bit of a but you wouldn't notice something missing in the scan. I mean like a blank knows spot that there's open yeah. blank spot that's not seen being seen by the sensor. But beyond that, the fact that this is a passive sensor resistance, it's not even something like their bodies emit right to cause that resistance.
0: We do get to see a, a live Gorn, uh, an adolescent one, um, uh, and based on what it looks like, I'm wondering if when they get big, are they going to look like stacks <laughs> Because they kind of have yeah. that, that look, or or are they going to look more like the sauropods of TOS? I, I'm really curious how they're going to interpret Gorn for the, for the 21st century. Uh, it'll, it'll be curious to see that when we eventually get there. Probably
1: a lot like they were visualized on Enterprise, although they do have the out there that when we saw Gorn on Enterprise, it was a mirror universe Gorn.
0: Right, right. I need to go back and look and see what those look like,
1: because I don't remember. They did something smart in that episode. They used gravity plating as a weapon. Yes, that's right. It's like, okay, good. Yes. Use your gravity plating as a weapon. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, make Gorn goo. Uh, <laughs> so another thing i, I was kind of questioning was how does lon know so much about the social structure of the gorn society like she's like oh the alpha kills the others i mean i she could observe some of this but also how long was she on this breeding planet surviving in order to observe enough of this to to really have this expertise
1: I think she was on it for a while um, i don 't think it was there and 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 then she got off i think I think she 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 had to be on it long enough to have to have significant trauma and mm-hmm. then that would she was probably there for at least a cycle because she talks right. about the Gorn only check on their offspring every so often. And so she was probably taken there. They dropped her off and she got off on the next cycle or something mm-hmm. and got to see, right. got to see adolescent corn fighting for dominance and stuff like
0: that. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah, that's true. So Hammer, well, they're setting a trap in the cargo bay, they're going to basically funnel the, the surviving alpha into the cargo bay and they've got this you know they're going to shoot it with cold because it's a lizard and uh it'll disable it um and hammer says he won't he, he the the anar are pacifists so he says i won't kill the gorn but i will do what i must to protect my crew uh which mm-hmm. is interesting and it's and that's a contrast with la'an who says she's happiest when she's hunting the gorn you know there's a so we're having this contrasting to Two attitudes. But uh, it's kind of interesting to see Hammer. Again, this is why I'm going to miss Hammer because he's an interesting character, like this pacifist who is also willing to defend the innocent. And he's not an absolute pacifist. So, kind of interesting. And uh, then we have this moment. Earlier, Kirk was criticizing Spock because when Duke got attacked and dragged off, Spock was acting sort of coldly logical about it and didn't get emotional. And then when he's, the moment comes when he needs to uh, get this Gorn uh, to challenge it to, to, you know, for alpha status, he releases his rage and (laughs) goes kind of crazy. He starts roaring at it. And I I think at one point Pike says, how many Gorn are in that room? (laughs) Because it sounds like, uh, it
1: sounds like it. Well, there is a second Gorn though. Um, So Pike has picked up on oh, something okay. on the audio that suggests there's mm-hmm. a second Gorn there, and he tells Spock to watch out for it. Um, this So I, in terms of Spock releasing his emotions, he's got a little ritual that he does to release them. He says, like, the rage that is in my heart, I release or something like that. And then he mm. he, he yells and starts going crazy. And this was something that I thought they cut it short, which they needed to, but... Anytime you have a character yelling in rage, it has a real risk of coming across comical yeah mm-hmm. um, and and they they walked right up to the edge of that if they had held the scream longer it would it would be comical. That's like why we have all those me internet memes of Kirk going con Uh, ice cream. Or 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 Darth Vader going no or you know, things like that. And um I don't know what it is, but it's just so easy to appear comical if someone is screaming. And and I was afraid they were going to hold it just a beat longer. And if they had, it would have been comical. But they they cut it early enough that um, that I think they largely got away with it. Right.
0: Yeah. So uh, we finally get the uh, the Gorn into position and it's attacking this cargo pod that That uh, that Laan has drawn it to, and right uh, about underneath this cold spray it's probably it's going to be it basically we get a gorn sickle yeah <laughs> it, yeah. In, and it turns a into corp-sicle. a big sickle. <laughs> yes yeah uh and and like you said it was a very satisfying la- on bashing the thing even i like how when they they uh the, the prop masters made it they it's all white on the outside like ice but inside it was like green like the green venom yeah. or blood kind or of whatever ye-
1: kind of yellowish yeah. yeah yeah
0: it was like sickly yellowish green uh yeah and so <laughs> props to them um they It did look like a colored snow cone though they could
1: have yeah just yeah, it could have looked like green frozen
0: meat on the inside, yes, yeah. that's true, that is true they 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 did hold back a little bit on that <laughs> uh and this is when everyone starts to realize that Hemmer is infected and impregnated with the uh or implanted with the eggs, uh and so he's going to sacrifice himself, although I was thinking like, well, why does he just go out into the cold won't that kill the eggs and the in the uh, because he can survive outdoors in the absolute cold because this is his native environment um why not if
2: not if not if things burst out of his chest i guess
0: i guess that's what it is uh well in in, any
2: because if he's warm-blooded they're going to be protected by his his body heat already
0: yeah yeah that's true I'm making excuses for why he should have survived. Uh, so yeah. he, he does give the advice the advice to Uhura to make a home for herself among others, open herself up, and then she will find joy more often than sadness. Which you know, so some um, uh, sage advice, life advice, is before he dies, which is a uh, sort of the the guru sort of trope, um, and then throws himself into the chasm. So the the, the peregrine was poised over this chasm on the edge of course it is over this edge of this chasm and the cargo bay opened into it and so he just kind of l- l- swan dived backwards out of the cargo bay mm-hmm. into the chasm and there's was a really cool shot of the of the body falling that's like he's not just like falling to the snow outside he's yeah he's falling a long way and this is my note where i wrote i can't believe they killed off hemmer so <laughs> So then they have a memorial service for for those who died, including including Hammer. Uh, Ortega has a, a a nice little eulogy for him, and uh, we see Spock on this off to the side having trouble getting his emotions back under control. He sees like fist clenched in rage, mm-hmm. and then he kind of storms out. Chapel follows him, of course. She sees him punching a bulkhead and damaging it, and uh, he warns her stay away, and. You know he's talking about how his emotions are making him weak, and she does this again. This human prejudice thing: emotions don't make you weak; it makes you human. Well, Lady, case you haven't looked, there's a lot of Vulcan there. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: he is half human, though. I mean, yeah. I took it as she's trying to get him to acknowledge that part of his nature.
0: I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do know that much later on, decades hence, Spock will have it is sufficiently integrated his human and Vulcan parts emotions and that sort of thing and can be more emotional um than than earlier on so that that's interesting although now that i think about it i mean he was laughing in the cage right which predates this right. mm-hmm. um so he was letting his emotions out then
1: yeah he goes through a period of repression where he tries to deny them and then he comes out of that into an integrated
2: phase right? yeah
0: yeah he does the culinar Before the motion, you the motion picture picks up where. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So that's 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 where I'm wondering if that's what that was their intention of to show him trying to repress those emotions. You know that he going from the cage where he was much more emotional to to, you know, how he is during TOS. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have to say. I'm enjoying Ethan Peck's portrayal of Spock. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing a, mm-hmm. a good job. It's hard. I, there's only there's only been a few actors who've been able to portray Vulcans, usually the long-term ones. So you've got, uh, you know, whether it's Tuvok or T'Pol or Leonard Nimoy, Spock or Ethan Peck, Spock have been some really good portrayals of Vulcan. A lot of other guest actors don't quite get it. And the, I, I just feel like they don't quite get the balance of emotion and non-emotion right, Uh, but I think Ethan Peck is doing a really good job. I think that both Leonard Nimoy and Ethan Peck are
1: doing a good job, and they have been given good writing Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as Vulcans. I don't think Tuvok and Tapal had as good writing. I think they were good actors, but I think they were not written as well, and so they didn't have... Um, I don't think they stood out as complex characters in the way that the two Spocks
0: do. Yeah. I think they they, they did the best they could with the what they've been given. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then we have uh this scene where Laan is meeting with Pike and telling him that uh she's got a lead on Mariana's family. Far outside the Federation and wants to take a leave of absence and even offers to resign her commission if that's what's necessary, but she really needs to do this. And he says she doesn't need to resign. Yeah.
1: And that's Mm -hmm. obviously just the only reason that happens is to take Laan off the table um, Mm -hmm. so that they have an exit for her. There's no other reason for that there. I mean, unless they're building up some dramatic story with the reveal of this girl's family next season.
0: I, I would find it surprising for Loan to leave the show at this point, just because we've, we've hardly at all touched the whole, she's a descendant of Khan. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, we've talked about the Gorn thing a lot, but not the Khan thing. And I, I'd be surprised unless something's going on with the actress where she wants to to leave. But uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising. Um, uh, Father Corey, you mentioned earlier about Hammer's departure, speculation, mm-hmm people have out there that we're going to get a Scotty next season, that this is going to yeah. be where Scotty joins the crew. Um, uh, uh, what do you think? Is, would that be a good thing to start introducing TOS characters more than Uhura and Spock?
2: I, I mean, I don't know if I, I'd be a big fan of it, to be honest with you. Cause I mean, Scotty was chief engineer, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you guys know TOS more than I do. I, he, he strikes me as he's fairly young as a chief engineer in what little I've seen from him, but then again, you know, they developed his character throughout the season and what I know more series and what I know more of him is from the movies and after.
0: Yeah. The Scotty at the beginning of TOS, I would say was a probably about the same age as Kirk James. Kirk, a couple right? years,
1: couple, couple, three years older.
0: Yeah. Mm. So, you know, the, but at this point, 10 years earlier, he'd be in his late twenties. So, you know, I think Geordi was, was probably uh, younger or the same age when he was chief engineer of the enterprise D different era. I don't know. Uh, or he'll maybe even just joining the crew at all and being a junior right. engineer or something like that um, it would be interesting.
1: Yeah. I'd be hesitant about that. We've got enough of the original cast running around already between Mbenga chapel and Uhura. Um, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. be hesitant to add more of the original cast in. I mean, I assume we're getting a new chief engineer. I just, I would, right. I would yeah. hesitate to have it be Scotty.
0: It it could be like first season TOS where it was, you know, chief engineer. Of the, well, that that was like chief engineer of the week. But um, hopefully, they won't do that in this. But it will be a chief TOS engineer, or TNG. Uh, TNG TN- means TNG. The first season, you had Argyle, and you had um, the 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 female chief engineer, and the yeah, you, know, you had a couple different S- S- ones.
1: There was another guy named Singh or something, if I recall yeah. correctly.
0: Right, right, they would they were rotating and and that was
1: just a mistake on their yeah. part um they it wasn't planned they only they had only built um the engineering set as as part of the pilot because Roddenberry realized if we don't build it now, we're not going to have the money later, and so right. they 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 hadn't really planned a regular chief engineering character for sure. they hadn't locked it in as a main cast member and it they wouldn't have one until it became Geordie. It was just a rotating yeah. chief engineer of the week.
0: You know, what's interesting is Mabenga is going is chief medical officer, and I was just thinking about this now. But by the but ten years hence, he's not going to be the chief he's it's McCoy will be the chief medical officer. Mm-hmm.
1: I know that's really strange. Um yeah. having someone cease to be chief medical officer but keep working on the same ship.
0: Under someone else. Yeah, that's a little odd. And yeah, well, I mean,
1: Mbenga is only in like a couple episodes, though, of the mm-hmm. original series. So it, I mean, we could say it was overlapping tour of duty and then rotated out, or, you know, or we yeah. could just say he, he, uh, that McCoy was more qualified, or we could have a story where
0: Mbenga screws up and gets demoted. Yeah. And gets demoted. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, and maybe just the doctor thing is different. You know, we we did treat the ranks and doctors different, but uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, anything left to say about all those who wander, uh, Father Corey? Um, I I figured you probably got a kick out
2: of the uh, shuttlecraft be called station wagon. Yeah, the old dad joke about don't make me turn this car around. Yes, I that figured, was good. I figured you probably got a kick out of that. I did. I like uh, I like how Pike uh, never changed his passcode, and the default passcode is two four six eight
0: ten. <laughs> yes. I was surprised it works on multiple ships, but yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm I'm sure it's it's one of those things it's all in their their computers somewhere and sure. if you hack it, you know, you can you can find it, but yep. uh but yeah, I just got to kick out those those two things I thought those were pretty good little one-liners.
0: That was good. That was good. Uh
1: Jimmy, how about you? So, let's see. Um I thought the alien plot was a little rushed. Um, it's, it's not, it, even once we get to the planet, they spend a lot of time before we get to the burster, And then the battle with the aliens, I thought was too compressed. I thought they, they could have let that breathe a little bit more. It would have been more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, we then had this big post climax sequence of winding down with all these different people doing stuff. Um, I thought the balance was... Not exactly perfect. It was still a good episode, but I didn't think the balance was perfect. Um, There was a line where uh, Kirk turns to Uhura at one point and says, you really are good at everything. And I'm like, yeah, come on, just let me like this actress and her performance. Stop right. telling. Stop telling me stuff that's perfectly obvious. Um, so I didn't like that line. It seemed like there was one other thing I was going to mention, though, um, and it was more of a meta level comment, but I don't remember what it was. Okay.
0: Well, if you if it comes to you, uh, interrupt me because I'm about to g- go into our discussion of listener feedback. And our first feedback comes from Brian, who sent an email. He says, has anyone else noticed that the end credits of Strange New Worlds have the same font and look as the end credits in the original series? Uh, well... Hmm. I, I, to be honest, I don't watch the end credits. I, I just yeah. stop the Paramount Plus playback and, and, and go on to something else. Uh, But that's very interesting. Not surprising, I suppose. Have you either of you noticed this? I, I didn't notice, I, but
1: yeah, I tend not to watch the end credits either because I need to immediately summarize the episode before I forget it. <laughs> and uh, so I tend to focus on that. But what I remember the original series in credits for is the cutaways, the the individual stills mm-hmm. that they had from throughout the series. So you'd have these random pictures like uh, that were interesting to look at, um, you know, sure. like there would be a picture of of Baylock the puppet.
0: I you know, was just very and- scared by that. As a kid. Yeah, and, and, and there's a
1: picture of the crew standing together and there are yep. pictures of other things. And I don't remember those from the brief glimpses I've had of the end credits of Strange New Worlds. I no. uh, My memory is that it's just it's a darkened screen with with words on it. And if they were really going to go original series with the end credits, because they kind of do with the beginning. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they have the, the original Trek narration and then new visuals uh yeah. including the ship flying by they just put other things for it to fly by um yeah. if they were really going to go uh original series for the end credits i'd like to see them put in dramatic pictures from the different episodes
0: that'd be fun for season two they should do that mm-hmm. yeah that'd be good yeah when i was a kid the, the i would always like have my dad like turn the channel or turn it off before Baylock came on because i hated to see <laughs> the, the <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, puppet um so and then our next email comes from Ryan, who writes a uh, big fan of the show, and I appreciate all the hard work and time you dedicate to the show. I'm a broadcast engineer by trade, so I wanted to make a special note about how clean and consistent your audio is. Most Trek podcasts I listen to have wildly varying audio levels, and you guys have a very professional sounding show. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to pause there and so thank, yeah. you, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I, yeah. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Coming from someone who's a broadcast engineer, I, I, I put a lot of effort into making sure all our shows sound as good as yeah. we can.
2: And we do we do the best we can, even when Starlink, which I have to use, uh, decides it's going to glitch out, like it did on this one. So <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. hopefully, you won't notice. I, I've uh, I'll edit that out. Uh, then he continues. Typically, Starfleet sends all of their power through pipes or fiber optic cables in the ceiling when the ship is attacked, just normally some sort of unknown sparking wire or brightly lit glass cable dangling from the ceiling. I noticed in the episode, all those who wander, Starfleet in the TOS era is still using 240 volt AC and the UK green, blue and brown standard. Nice to know I can be a Starfleet engineer if I'm ever frozen in space. Uh, Jimmy, you remember what you were going to say.
1: Yes, it's the title of this episode. That's why oh. it was made of all all those who wander. Uh, the completion yes. of the phrase is all those who wander are not lost. Yes. And I don't see exactly what that has to do with this episode. But um, I mean, you, you, you. I guess some of our characters are wandering, but um oh but it's not exactly it's not exactly clear to me what why they wanted to call it that however i am really glad that um that our our correspondent will be able to serve as a starfleet engineer should he be frozen in space that's awesome yeah just just don't don't be don't get infected with gore eggs first
0: and exact- i sh- i should mention i i really appreciate the title because that that is a quote from jrr tolkien uh, the lord of the rings um mm-hmm. The full quote is well, all, was... uh, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Uh, right. So it's uh which is um cool that they use that there because I'm a huge Tolkien fan as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So all those who wander, yeah, it is curious. Like who is who is wandering? Is uh, I guess lost or
1: not lost? Yeah, who is yeah. is the the logical one, but um she her arc is kind of small in this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mariana. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's something to ponder. Uh,
2: I, I will say, with the wiring though, you, you yeah. would think by that time they'd figure out how not make how how to keep things from blowing up from electrical surges. But even into Tos era or TNG era, they they haven't yeah. figured that one out either. So,
0: so these things called circuit breakers, they're really handy. Yeah, <laughs> and if
2: you're really desperate, it's called fuses.
0: Yeah, right. They hang a
1: lantern on the issue in John Scalzi's novel Red Shirts, where. The captain of the ship is noting why does the bridge have to go up in a shower of sparks every time we're in a
2: firefight? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, and then there's uh I, I can't remember the YouTuber, but there's one who talks about every every time it blows up, there's rocks inside the consoles.
0: Because <laughs> yeah. you watch then it
2: blows the chunks blow up and they look like rocks. Yes, why are they storing rocks
0: in the consoles? <laughs> All right. Excellent. I and mean, thank you both for your feedback. We love to get feedback. Yeah. And we will we would love to get more. All right, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Star Trek, including Stephen B., Charlene C., Charles M., Les, and Barbara L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. So we would love, like I said, to hear from you. What did you think of all those who wander? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord, where we have both a Secrets of Star Trek channel and a Star Trek spoilers channel for those of you who mm-hmm. want to discuss uh, the plot events without spoiling people who don't want to be spoiled. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the season finale of Strange New Worlds. And until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you,
1: and live long and prosper, my friend. I'm going outside now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, anyone has to go. Now's the time. Do not make me turn this car around. Which I have said many, many times. (laughs)